1: Seven minutes after eight it is. Thank you so much for tuning in to the forum at eight. Now, tomorrow evening, President Jacob Zuma will be delivering the State of the Nation address where he is expected to outline government's program of action for the year ahead. Now, for years, the proceedings have gone smoothly. However, this year, the Economic Freedom Fighters has vowed to disrupt proceedings and demand that the president answer the question of when he will pay back the money spent on security upgrades at his Nkandla home. On the forum at 8 this morning, we ask you, what are your expectations for tomorrow's State of the Nation address? want to hear from you. The lines are open 0891 You can start calling in. You uh, can also send us uh, those uh, answers via Twitter or Facebook to AM Live on SAFM, or you can send us an SMS to 34701. And um, our guest this morning, we are joined for this conversation by Mr. Aubrey Machitri, who is an independent political analyst. And a research fellow at the Helen Suzman Foundation. Thanks for your time this morning.
2: Uh, Good morning, Sakina. I thought you Ah, were. And I deliberately
1: put it there. (laughs) So not so independent. Not independent at all. A political analyst. Slightly
3: independent.
1: (laughs) Slightly independent. Aubrey, thanks so much for speaking to us. And uh, Miss Sanusha Naidu, who is also a political analyst based in Cape Town. Sanusha, thanks for your time as well.
4: Good morning, Sakina, and good morning, Over. Yes, I think it's important to clarify the
1: independence issue. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've established, you know, you guys are not independent. You are analysts. <laughs> exactly. We're happy to keep it at that. I want to start this morning our conversation by just running through um, the messages that have been coming through. And ever since we asked this uh, the the question this morning at the start of the show, what are you expecting from President Jacob's State of the Nation address? The messages have been flooding in. So let's just run. Through some of them. Um, Zikaise Claude uh, Lungile says, I expect nothing. Sibabalwe says, uh, expecting a repeat of the ANC's 103 years birthday speech, more of the Freedom Charter and radical change and so on and so on. Speaker Imnissi says, um, him telling us the date of paying back the money and the jobs he promised us. Banele Majingo says, uh, it is to push the Freedom Charter and NDP and more for the benefit of the people. Pelelani Duma says, I'm expecting nothing. Same old story. uh, The last time promised to create half a million jobs. And since then, we've lost two million jobs. And then Andrea's gift, Andreki says, the Nkandla project. Mandla Innesol uh, Ramolaslane says, I'm expecting the head of state to tell us when is he going to pay back the money used to renovate his homestead. Also telling us that ESCOM and SAA will be privatized in order to end the mess that is faced by both entities uh, for the past financial year. Also, he must make sure that foreigners operating their businesses and townships are forced to pay tax more money. Uh, to be invested in health education and security sectors and lastly to reinstate the deputy chairperson of SARS Mr Ivan Pillay also he must speed up allocating residential sites to citizens who are homeless and ensure that citizens who don't have shelter decent houses are built for them and I am from welcome That's from Mandla. Uh, Sivuile Kose says, I expect chaos from EFF MPs, a not-so-good and professional and mature reaction to the chaos uh, of the other MPs. And Assassin Maccabee says, it will be cancelled. Uh, Gavin David von Meyer says, I expect lots of rhetoric and we will hear about the urgency to release the biggest kickback deal in the history of the country via Putin's uh, nuclear power deal. Good Hope Madela says, he must tell the nation how they are going to solve the electricity crisis and about job opportunities. And those are some of the messages coming through, uh, Sanusha and Aubrey. And I must say, it seems to be tinged with pessimism. Aubrey?
2: You're yeah, right. Um, I think the cross-national happiness um, has been going south for some time now. And uh, wh- one of the things I need to remind you of is that in June it will be 10 years since uh, President Jacob Zuma was fired by former President Thabo as uh, Deputy President of the country. It is also 10 years uh, since the beginning of what I call an age of ignominy uh, for uh, some of our institutions, particularly um, in the security establishment. Now, as far as the expectations go... Let me start with what I don't expect. I don't expect the President to say everything about the state of the nation, because if he were to do so, uh, he would finish in time for the 2016 State of the Nation Address. Uh, But at the same time, um, I expect uh, the President to subject us to um, a list of uh, achievements, real and alleged, and uh, a list of promises. What I also do expect um, is is, is a gap between the content of the State of the Nation address and the reality in this sense. Um, I think the State of the Nation address and the responses there to by opposition parties tend to be less complex than the actual reality of life. In, in South Africa, in other words, if you want to gain an understanding of uh, the complex socio-economic conditions, um, indeed uh, the, the human condition uh, in South Africa, um, you are not going to gain that understanding by listening to or reading uh, the State of the Nation Address.
1: And you know, uh, Sanusha, your view on that as well, because we open the lines and. Some people, quite a number of them, are actually saying what they want. They're not even interested in engaging. What they would expect is for the president to just resign.
4: Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're beginning to see, I mean, as Aubrey's saying, uh, that the gross national happiness in this country is at a very low level. Uh, People are feeling frustrated by what they see as impacts on their everyday life. I think the other issue is, yes, you quite rightly point out that you can't really put a, a whole kind of roadmap into your, into, your, into your state of the nation, you know, every single thing to be, to be, to be addressed. But I do think that you have to give reassurances. Uh, and I think what we haven't seen in the last couple of state of the nation addresses is the issue of saying, don't, I don't think people want to come in and say, this is what we've achieved. Because I think what people want to know is there are some very real issues on the ground. I mean, I think the question about the the electricity issue, the question of jobs, the question of a growing economy, these are things that are affecting people on a daily level. So obviously they want to know, what what are we going to do about this? We can't come back here uh, every year and just say, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. It's not a checkbox. We've got to now see some tangible issues. So I think to a large extent we're beginning to see that the, the levels at which people are responding to the state of the nation is something that they are beginning to vent their frustration uh, in all possible ways and in all possible Avenues, and of course, they're beginning to say that we're not really sure what's going to happen. We don't want to be told that this is what we're going to do. We want to know what has been done and what decisive action is going to be taken.
1: And just looking at you know what we traditionally get out of the State of the Nation Address, Aubrey, do you uh, would you agree with uh, you know some of uh, the uh, pundits who actually go on to say that it needs to be more um, you know uh, th- th- there needs to be more planning integrated into what the president is saying? Because very often it seems as though it is a reaction to things that have already taken place and more of a report back as opposed to trying to look ahead and trying to uh, maybe even undercut some of the problems that are likely to arise.
2: Well, before I come to that, let, let me just finish one of my last points and, 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 and say that uh, some of the unhappiness Uh, that is betrayed by the sense of pessimism uh, contained in uh, social media and elsewhere, is is well-founded. But it would be wrong to suggest that all of the pessimism um, is well-founded. And that is why in South Africa we need to have a conversation um, about the need not to wallow in in pessimism and, and therefore misdirect ourselves by focusing obsessively sometimes on the weaknesses of one man, President Jacob Zuma, um, and therefore diverting ourselves from a national conversation um, we we, we should be having uh, about where the country should be going. Now, if you look at uh, the State of the Nation address um, over the past decade especially, um, what what has tended to happen um, is that it betrays a lack of a grand vision um, and a, a problem that is located not only um, within the four corners of the State of the Nation address itself, but a lack of a grand vision uh, on the part of, I would say, all of us, um, including all social partners. So there is an extent to which the, the gaps between what is contained in the State of the Nation address and the reality um, in this country, is, is a reflection um, of a particular poverty on all of our parts when it comes to articulating a grand vision uh, for South Africa. For instance, I, I do expect that um, the, the economy will feature prominently uh, in tomorrow's State of the Nation address. Now, if you look at, the, at both the State of the Nation address and uh, the budget speech later in the month, There is an extent to which both speeches are written by external forces, such as uh, ratings agencies and others who have particular economic interests. Now, when a state is weak, um, like ours is is, is weak at the moment, uh, such a state, and therefore the country as a whole, becomes susceptible to the adoption of policy measures that it would otherwise not adopt. And and I think we have reached um, that point in South Africa where our future is being authored not in terms of the interests of the South African citizens, but is being authored from outside, as I said, by by certain economic interests, including ratings agencies.
1: But is that inevitable, or does government actually have a say in this? Can they actually turn this around?
2: Well, when a state is weak and, and lacks capacity for both subjective and objective reasons, because we must not pretend that the weaknesses we are pointing out. Um, um, the blame must be laid completely at the door of uh, the, the government or the African National Congress. and um, There is an extent to which the, some of the failures are a function of uh, objective factors. But to the extent that we are talking about subjective weaknesses, and uh, a weakness in subjective choices on the part of the ANC and and, and its government. Uh, There's nothing inevitable about elements of the economic crisis that we face. Um, What tends to happen, and it has happened for too long since the 90s, we we have adopted um, a policy approach that is premised on the belief that, uh, let's say, forces such as uh, Globalisation and other social, social, political and economic uh, forces at a global level are as inevitable as breathing in and out, and and therefore, at the level of the state in particular, um, we have seen a, a lack of agency, uh, the kind kind of agency um, that would uh, chart an independent course, a course that is based on. Uh, the interests of the majority of uh, South Africans. And that is why I say at the moment, um, our future is, is being altered largely uh, from outside the forces in this country uh, that should be shaping the grand vision for the direction the country should be taking.
1: Well, uh, listening to our commentators this morning, political analysts Tanusha Naidu and Obre Machitke, what are your views? Tomorrow, President Jacob Zuma will deliver his State of the Nation address. And this morning, we are asking you, what are your expectations from the State of the Nation address? 891 Let's hear from Navari in Nelspruit. Good morning.
5: Morning, morning, a long time. How are you? How uh, very night? well, thanks, Ilyu. I'm okay, man. I just expect President Zuma to, to just do the simplest things, I and mean, control the Freedom Charter continue the program of socialism and make sure that Africa is, uh, is safe and make sure that uh, electricity is uh, uh, is doing well and continue to all the efforts you have put for the past 10 years to ensure that South Africa is doing better. By the way, we, we are we actually make, we are going to make sure that the ESF and the attendances of uh, schoolboy politics are dismissed as the owner of the Freedom Charter because they think that uh, we're not doing what we should be doing. And I think that the ANC is doing very well to make sure that the freedom set alive. And I think President Zuma is going to do that now and show the color that the ANC release Thank
0: you very much.
1: That's Navari and Nalspreit. Lorraine in Morningside, KZN. Good morning.
6: Good morning to you, Sakina, and your guests. And to the listeners, thank you so much for taking my call. I'd just like to say regarding the topic uh, on discussion this morning that previously, and I'm going to say this publicly, I used to be a member of the ANC, but sadly I've had to... Dissolve my membership because I'm so disappointed in what's going on in the country and I think most of us South Africans are looking for change and despite what the EFF does in many instances and uh, sometimes abominable stuff but we look for change in things that count and here is a clear example of somebody who represents South Africa and its people being held accountable that's bottom line and it's so disappointing in the support he gets from people who claim to represent change and all those type of things that disagree with what's going on. And, I mean, we are not fools. All right. We are the public and we are the voters and we are going to bring about change. Disillusionment aside,
1: Lorraine, what would you like to... uh, Your disillusionment aside, what would you like to hear President Jacob Zuma address in no uncertain terms tomorrow?
6: All the things he's been talking about previously that haven't happened. And, you know, people have been saying this ad nauseum time and time again. The sonar is the same every year. Nothing changes. Unemployment, you tell me how that's changed over the years. But first and foremost, first things first, can we have him to declare publicly that he either will or will not pay the money? Okay. That's, line? that's taxpayers' money. Thank oh, you, Sakina. And thank you, you
1: so bye. much, uh, Lorraine, in uh, Morningside in KZN. Hassan, you're in Durban. Good morning
3: morning Sakina thanks for a good tour as usual uh, look I my personal view as a citizen I would I think it time has come for uh, president to not only and us even as citizens we are expecting things from the government I think the time has come for us as citizens to also see what we can do to help this government I'm saying this because if you follow there was your previous call that spoke about 10 years ago president Zuma was fired by the previous president Tabombe. and if you look at that whole scenario days and now that we are members of brics in the macro scene i think there is a okay, there is a calculated attempt to destabilize our government and our country now that we are part of brics so there is a greater agenda to demonize president zuma and the government i think we as citizens need to see this we must not fall into this trap and passing blame We are all in the same boat. We are all South Africans. We fought hard for the struggle. Let us work. There are are forces at bay to make sure President Zuma is bad, the ANC is bad, the government is bad. And I think we must come out of this and, and look at things objectively and work together, leave the negativity, and let's work together as citizens to help our government. It's our country, after all. And I think, you know, as one of the previous American presidents said, don't see what your government can do for you, but what you can do for your government.
1: All right. Thank you so
4: much, Hassan and Durban. Sanusha? Yeah, I think you're getting very interesting views there. I think conflicting views, uh, people who are actually saying, maybe it's time that we had much more of a participatory citizenship engaged in the process. But I do think at some point that in order to participate in the economy, you've got to have the conditions to do so. And, and, and point point being that both from an external and a domestic level, there are issues that conflict around our economy, particularly in terms of what's happening at the global level with slow growth. Uh, It actually impacts on how we actually try to actually stimulate our own economy. I think at the level at which uh, we're seeing different rating agencies actually downgrading our economy, which then affects us and the capital markets uh, in terms of borrowing and being able to roll out programs if we want. But at the same time, I do think that you have to have things at the domestic level that try to offset what happens at the global level as well. I know it's difficult to say and difficult to do because we have such integrated economies that are into the global economy, but at the same time I think we have heard some of these issues before. We have heard about how we need to bring in certain players, certain stakeholders into the market. Uh, But we've heard about the fact that we need to create jobs. How do we do that? What are we going to be doing? How are we going to try and do that? We also heard before about the whole question of what do we need to do in order to stimulate job creation in the economy. But I think to a large extent, what we're also see is some of the negatives that are set, set around that. Uh, and I think that in itself is something that people are raising their frustrations around. I, guess I I agree that we can get very pessimistic as a nation. We tend to look at things in a very pessimistic way. We tend to continue to vent our frustrations in that way. But I do think as well is that we actually now, the post-20 period history of our, our democratic process. We're entering into the next phase of the next 20 years. And I think these these issues need to start being, being dealt with in a much more pragmatic way. What are we going to do to stimulate jobs in the economy? How do we actually... I mean, the issue around ESCOM, the issue around some of our state-owned enterprises, et cetera, have actually, we need to know what planning we're doing in order to understand that some of the, the issues that affect our economy in terms of rolling blackouts, et cetera, actually will have long-term effects for our, of how we actually plan our economy, whether we, whether we become productive, whether we become uh, great industrial capacity, and so forth. So we have to know how we're planning in these state-owned enterprises as well.
1: But then, of course, there is the issue of money that just seems to be flowing through a sieve. 700 million rand lost in the past 20 years through corruption. And it doesn't stop there. It's not just a problem that is peculiar to the state. 147 billion rand has been lost through money leaving South Africa illegally. That's a lot of money that we are talking about, and if we are looking at the sort of problems that South Africa is faced with, we talk about unemployment, we talk about uh, state-owned entities that perhaps are not, um, you know, operating optimally. But you, you cannot ignore the scourge of corruption that seems to be enveloping what is going on right now, Sanusha.
4: I agree. I mean, seven hundred, uh, as you mentioned, is a lot of money. Where that money could have been spent productively, I think, is in, in, in investing in our higher education institutions, having, the, having those higher in, uh, education institutions doing the kind of uh, education, academic both academic and practical, to start looking at how they could actually service our, our, our industries. I think if we are able to say to our, to our leaders, how do we account for this? How are you accounting for this? are we not just going to create another commission of inquiry which will also spend more money on these issues? I think it's important for us to also be clear that some of the money that's going out of the country as well is not only through state corruption, but it's also questions of money that is also being used uh, through private corruption exactly. as well. And I think we've got to also bring that accountability into the into the space as well and ask how are we accounting for those individuals that are basically... Uh, uh, transmitting money or transacting money out of the country illegally. Uh, But I do think that when it comes to state corruption, we've got to be clear about this. We've got to be clear about how we also think about the accountability. I'm a bit nervous about the actual number that's coming up, but we also have to talk about corruption in a way that says, what is happening, how is this creating leakages in our economy that is preventing us from investing in a productive economy. And I think this is where I, I feel that South Africa needs to now start upping its ante, because around us in the region and even in the continent, there are other economies that are beginning to think much more critically about where they want to position themselves. And I think to a large extent, if we're not thinking about what our what our advantages are in actually moving forward, then we're going to kind of, kind of get laid back, uh, 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 kind of like move away, or kind have And I think to, 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 to the ordinary South African for tomorrow, I think the point is really around what is the state, state of the nation going to be saying about my circumstance? How is it going to affect me?
1: It's the Forum at this morning. We are asking you, what are your expectations for the State of the Nation address tomorrow evening? And uh, our analysts this morning, Sanusha Naidu, as well as Obri Machiti, and we are speaking to them about this. I just want to run through some more messages and get you guys to respond to them. Mohammed in Peter Maritzburg says, um, we will just have to listen to the boss, to whatever he says, whether we like it or not, there's nothing anyone can do about it. Just listen thanks. Joe in Peter Marisberg says, we should chart our own way forward and fit into the global world on our own terms, informed by our historical, social and economical dynamics. Vusi in Cape Town says, our economy, like foreign policy, is being dictated by Beijing. And uh, this one says, President Zuma, I don't believe that all our problems can be laid at your door. Thanks for the hard work that you do. Another one, I expect to hear when the money will be paid. Viva Malema, viva john says i expect the president to tell us that he will pay back the money when juju pays back his tender money uh, we'll have a win-win situation in that case um martha says i listened to president zuma at a press conference when he said he did not receive a cent from the Nkandla upgrade and implied that he had nothing to pay so he has answered sona is about today's mess not promises. Because he says Sona nothing but ostentatious jamboree, a fashion show followed by verbosity and a culmination in excess of eating and drinking. And Nick and Hilton says the only thing that Zuma should do would uh, that would benefit South Africa is to resign immediately. And a Jock concurs with that, saying I would like President to say that he is resigning immediately. Finish and klar So Aubrey. Those are some of the comments coming through. But, of course, you know, there are some really pressing issues. The Eskom situation is one that really has taken on a life and proportions of its own. And it's affecting not just all of us as ordinary South Africans, but business and investor confidence as well. And uh, is that something that the President can basically tackle tomorrow and take forward, reassure us, allay our fears in any meaningful way?
2: Well. Sakina, I think the Eskom saga is a perfect example um, of how the performance of the post-apartheid state or the ANC government um, cannot be said to be all good or all bad. For instance, we should commend uh, the government, um, even if it was belated, for realizing that to some extent growth will depend on infrastructure development. But at the same time, uh, problems that have arisen in the process of rolling out the infrastructure development program um, speak to problems with capacity on the part of both the state and the private sector. If you look at the GUSIL, uh, uh, p- uh project um, and the other um, nuclear power station, I, I mean, uh, power station project. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so so, the picture that emerges there is that you have a, a low oil price, and by the way, it seems to be notching up. Um, that remains to be seen how, how far it will go as far as notching up is, is concerned. So you would expect, for instance, uh, the ordinary person to benefit from the low oil price, but the economic benefit may be taken away by the energy crisis that uh, we, we are facing. But broadly speaking, um, as far as uh, the economy is concerned, there are two pressures that the president faces. Um, On on the part of the private sector, big business rating agencies, the markets, and so on, there is an expectation that you will articulate measures that will be undertaken by the ANC government um, to effect economic uh, restructuring. Now, you know what those forces mean when they talk about economic restructuring. Mm. They are talking about a perfect climate for profit-making. On the other side, is under pressure uh, to give content to what the ANC calls uh, radical economic transformation. And therefore, the president has to balance um, the aspirations of those who sit mainly in his constituents who are poor and working class. And at the same time, balance the interests of big business, the markets, rating agencies, and so on. And, and I wait to see um, whether uh, he will be able to articulate how that balance um, will be struck by the state. People keep on talking, for instance, about um, him answering questions about Nganja. And I've been revising my thoughts about what has been happening in Parliament. I've been quite critical um, of the chaos. Um, that has descended upon Parliament since the May election. But I'm beginning to revise that because I'm I'm beginning to think the conversation you must have about Parliament is if indeed uh, it is descending into a state of chaos, the question you must ask is uh, it is descending from what state to what state of chaos? In other words, the state from which uh, Parliament is descending, is it a state that the South Africans we should be happy about. That's the first thing. The second thing, um, if tomorrow um, the EFF stands up and and on a point of order or point of privilege asks the president uh, to answer questions about Inganga, is that um, really to disrupt the State of the Nation address? I, I suspect we need to rethink uh, some of these conventions and whether they work in favour of enhancing the the quality of our democracy, Um, because it's quite possible it can be argued that by standing up before he speaks to answer that question, um, they may not be disrupting um, the speech. They may be interrupting it, um, but I'm, I'm no longer sure we should use the word disrupt. Mm.
1: And, and, and Sadusha, so your take on that, and also, you know, uh, just perhaps with emphasis, as we heard on the uh, January 8th statement, on the Freedom Charter and what it contains.
4: Yeah, I do think that uh, there's a, there's a bit of a point there about whether or not, if they want to ask that question, then... You know, What does this mean? Does it mean that they're not supposed to ask the question or does it mean that they're disrupting something? I think there's another issue here for me that's even more important than the whole process itself is the fact that what is the role of parliament? And I think for the last couple of months, we've actually been debating that issue in a much more serious way in terms of the actual separation of powers between the executive, the legislative, and the judiciary. And in the last couple of months, I've been getting to also become quite nervous about how we've seen the role of parliament, because the role of parliament is really oversight, accountability. Uh, we have those very structures within the Chapter 9 institutions of parliament that are supposed to serve as accountability Um, institutions to ensure that that our democratic processes are being held uh, accountable, they are transparent, and also that we are basically strengthening structures in our democracy. But what has become quite interesting in the last couple of months is the role of Parliament in all of this. And I think to to a large extent, this is why we have to start say, asking the question of what yeah. kind of language we use, as Aubrey rightly points out, in terms of when we talk about these issues in Parliament. Because what government, what executives are supposed to be doing is that they come and present and account for how they've spent money, how, what has happened, and Parliament plays an oversight role. But I think what we have currently in the country is a lot of blurring of lines, a lot of gr- Areas Uh, and the question again is: Is this an incorrect way to go about it, or is it the is it the fact that it's an issue that's very sensitive, uh, and therefore we want to actually move into the grey areas and raise certain languages or certain? issues around it in terms of language. I, I actually think that uh, for tomorrow, uh, obviously the question is, is it, is it the right timing to ask the question about the Chancellor, or should that be left when the President comes in to answer questions on the state of the nation and, of course, then comes back to Parliament to actually discuss issues in that point? I think the question of the timing is something that has been controversial between uh, how it is being interpreted. But right. having said that, mm-hmm. I think that the the other issue, on the other hand, I can understand as well, is that what happens if this issue continues to be sideste- sidestepped? How do you get it back into Parliament?
1: And this morning we are asking you, what are your expectations from tomorrow's State of the Nation address? Oh eight nine Let's go to Mohammed in Barberton. Good morning, Mohammed.
7: Uh, good morning to you, your listeners and your guests. Um, I, I'm hoping that our government would be able to it poor South African citizens uh, in respect of uh, sanitation and basic uh, water, uh, clean water, and sewage. And I hope the President provides a timeline when this will be completed and dignified for all South Africans. That's one. Two, uh, <coughs> on the issue of uh, corruption regarding uh, government officials, uh, I, I don't have a real problem with uh, corruption, where these officials are spending the money in our country. It's a question of morality, it's no, but a question of economics, it could be acceptable. But what I do have a problem with is officials that put the, the uh, corrupt money into bank accounts that will be frozen and never given back when they die. And there are uh, government officials and there are banks that operate this way and they don't give the money back. And the problem we have with that is that money that was um, taken out of South Africa in a wrong way will never ever come back. Uh, those who spend corrupt money in South Africa, it comes back into the flow of the economy. But I think we must, uh, the government must now provide amnesty for those officials who are going to come clean and say we've got money in offshore accounts and uh, then bring the money back into South Africa and then they ask if anyone is caught with offshore accounts, it will be frozen when they die or something happens to them, those must be imprisoned.
1: Okay, that's Mohammed in Barberton. Let's go to Spongiseni in Durban. Good morning.
5: Spongiseni? Good morning, ma'am, and good morning to the FFM listeners. My, my contribution would be, I would expect the opposition parties to say there's nothing new what the president is going to say, but for some of us, I'm, going to, I'm expecting that the president is going to continue informing the South Africans that there's going to be medical services for all South Africans who are poor and coming from the most disadvantaged communities. There's going to continue to be free education for the poor and unemployed. And then we also continue expecting the president to then give us more on the issues of the economic radical transformation as we envisage in the ANC and probably talk about the load shedding and issues later today. So that would be something that one would it is good to ask. to say all that we have put in place as ANC government continues to be there. And those who don't see it, because there's never been a bank, a government that has given free education, free health services to South Africans, except the African National Congress.
1: All right, that's Pongizane in Durban. James in Witbank. Good morning. Yes, thank you. Uh, big please,
8: to Eskom. No load shedding tomorrow <laughs> night. <laughs> I want to listen. I want to see history being made. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
1: Uh, thank you, James. <laughs> I hope Eskom heard you there. Levu in Parktown, good morning.
0: Good morning, Sakina. Uh, I think Soroskine are unfair to uh, Jacob Zuma to expect anything from him. Look, he is a president who cannot run his own life. From what we see, what we read in the paper, he can't run his own life. How do we expect him to say anything positive and to... In, uh, um what to call it give give positive impetus to the economy how health is run education etc I think we are giving too much credit to him and in fact truth be told the ANC is not official for this country not even any parliament any uh, opposition party that exists right now civil civil uh, movement have got to be resuscitated we have to take action and make sure that we control uh, whoever the next government or the, the correct government will be for this beautiful nation. I think, I think it's a bit harsh didn't... to say
1: the president doesn't know how to run his own life. What do you mean by that?
0: Uh, well, um, Sakina, please, we, 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 you and I are not that uh, doff. Um, we, we no, but what, the paper. But, but what
1: does that we mean? See,
0: we see things in the paper. Uh, I mean, when when you, you get someone who had his car bill, uh a five rent bill to wash his car paid for by Shadi Sheikh. Hello, just that, that—that is, in in, in uh, evidence that was submitted in, in in court. It's not me just coming up with some stories, please.
1: Okay, so Have to you label that? that is evidence that Discret- he is unable to run president. his own life?
0: A discourage that president who should, who shouldn't expect much from him. That's the reality.
1: Okay, that's uh, Lebu in Parktown. Very strong views. Amanda Matango in Cape Town. Good morning.
0: Uh, Good morning, Sakina.
1: Yes, Amanda.
2: As an NCK, I'd like the accident to deal with the issue of graduate unemployment and also to inform Matango to tackle other issues of uh, inequalities, social economic inequalities that continue to be be a serious scourge that affects many poor people, especially black people in many townships. I would like the present to provide a clear indication of how he intends uh, to uh, take these things in our pursuit for a national democratic society that the ANC government so much aspires to.
1: All right, thank you so much, Manta, in Cape Town. And of course, I'd uh, love to hear more from you, 891 That's the SMS line. You can also tweet or Facebook us at Sakina Kamwendo or at AM Live on SAFM. Tomorrow, of course, there's the State of the Nation address. And this morning on the forum, we are asking you, what are your expectations for the State of the Nation address? Um, Sanusha Aubrey, uh, quite a bit was said before that uh, break. Uh, Aubrey, let me start with you, just uh, responding to some of what was said there.
2: Well, let, let, let me start by saying I expect that tomorrow's state of the nation advice will have the highest television audience ever. Um, having said that, um, I, think, I think the president uh, should but will probably not uh, talk about social cohesion um, in the context of race and gender. In this sense, race and gender remain indicators of disadvantage in South Africa. And to deny that and to continue ignoring that is a recipe for future instability um, in this country. Um, and, and therefore, I would expect him, when he talks about social cohesion, to be much more candid about race dynamics in South Africa today and gender dynamics today, particularly with regard to the feminization of things such as unemployment, uh, poverty, and um inequality um the, then there's the issue of corruption he will probably talk about crime um, and, and corruption in fact certainly he will now there's a report that has just been published by PricewaterhouseCoopers on corruption. it makes interesting reading, particularly the past that deal with private sector corruption, which shows that when it comes to things such as fraud, we trend above uh, the rest of the world in the private sector as far as that kind of corruption is concerned. And, and the, the, the reason we have a particular uh, approach to talking about corruption is because two things tend to happen. You have those who genuinely uh, engage in debates about corruption uh, because of how uh, corruption causes leakages of resources in the state to the disadvantage of the ordinary citizen, particularly the poor and, and, and the working class. But some among us uh, engage in these debates about corruption and failures in the state and so on as proxy arguments for something else the inability of uh, black people, Africans in particular, to govern.
4: Mm. Sanusha, so, your take? Yeah, I mean, I think you. you... There's a point in which you have to start thinking about the more more tangible issues on the ground. And I think there are a lot that needs to be dealt with in terms of both corruption, uh, in terms of the feminization of poverty, uh, in terms of access to resources, in terms of service delivery. There's a whole range of issues that I think everybody and anybody will
1: We seem to have lost Salusha there. We'll try and get her back. In the meantime, let's take a a few callers. Uh, Let's let's try and squeeze in two more. Uh, Colin in Mpumalanga, good morning.
3: Morning, and how are you, Sakina? Well, and you? Thank you uh, for the opportunity. Sakina, probably one thing that I would actually like to touch on that maybe the Honorable President can actually touch uh, tomorrow is that maybe intensifying the laws of uh, uh, our minerals in South Africa. You know, the monopoly system that we are having in South Africa is actually finding a way to make sure that they are putting the government at ransom because of the laws. Um, I'm speaking to you now. There's about people that are going to lose their jobs. Um, some companies, mining companies, are putting uh, the, the government at ransom. They know for a fact that the government is going to bow when such things are happening or when they are breaking the rules. So what I'm asking is that I hope that maybe tomorrow the gov- I mean, our president can touch on this issue of intensifying the laws in terms of minerals. That's that's my take on that one.
1: Okay, thank you so much, uh, Colin. Karabo in Pretoria, good morning. Good day, Sakina. How are you, man? Well, thanks, and you?
8: I'm all right. Aren't we all excited about the sauna tomorrow?
1: You certainly <laughs> seem to be.
8: <laughs> no, look, man, I think there are just two issues on my part. The first, I think we need the President to give us a deliberate plan in terms of ESCOM, because indeed, a small micro enterprises or perhaps medium the country, we are finding that uh, with this load sheet being scheduled, we are kind of losing a lot of money, and ESCOM itself is not coming up, resoundingly, with a concrete plan as to how will we be able to to push it, the the losses and perhaps the assets that we have on our businesses. Secondly, is the issue on the ministry on the Ministry of Women Youth. And business empowerment, or whatever they they name it, but I think we don't have that ministry in itself since it is its establishment. We are finding that numerous institutions of government have got pockets of youth development, or or, or or perhaps support programs that are happening that are not speaking into the national program. As a result, you find that there is a disparity in terms of the facts, the facts, or perhaps the effects that programs can have on small micro-enterprises. Because you go to one minister, you find they've got a program for youth, women, empowerment, you go to the next minister. But those programs are not speaking to each other. Therefore, in my view, there isn't a, a one song that has been sang as a policy or perhaps a policy in which government can specify so that they are able to measure the tangible of Okay. Right.
1: Got you there. Thank you so much, uh, Karabo, in Pretoria. Sanusha?
8: I mean,
4: as I was saying, you know, they are, you you can see that they they want to see some kind. I mean, listeners want to see some kind of. of of definitive action or definitive plan of what's going to happen. I think, you know, some of the issues that have been raised is also the question around, can we keep continuing to take the same argument all over again? We're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with it. What's going to happen? So I think what you're actually seeing is a need for something much more tangible, much more decisive to come out. But I think also what's important, again, is that we have to start asking the questions around whether or not our state-owned enterprises, our institutions are actually having some kind of credible policy that's going to start dealing with some of these issues in our economy, some of the issues that are affecting people on the ground. And I think that for me is a critical issue. I think 20 years later, we have to start asking, how are we planning? How are we planning our economy? How are we planning our social development? How are we planning the state?
1: And Aubrey, your parting shot?
2: Well, I, I, I think you needs to send a message to the poor. Um The the, the poor are in rebellion, Uh, and and because they're in rebellion, I think they're expecting, um, as Sanusha said, a statement about tangible measures going forward that will be taken to ameliorate their social and economic conditions.
1: The poor are in rebellion, and you'd be asked, how do you know this?
2: (laughs) 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 Well, you were in Malamulele.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, you know, and, and 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 this, of course, is what we are expecting tomorrow. Um, and still, you know, the pessimism continues. I must just say, um, just looking at some of the other messages coming through. For me, the Sona is the same hymn over and over again: poverty, unemployment, etc. Uh, we uh can only accept a fashion parade. That's all. Says Jazz Fundi. Uh, says says um EFF has no plan to disrupt Sona, but to hold Zuma accountable within the rules of Parliament. Kaya Kumalo says energy should be uh, receiving special attention it's having a knock on effect across South Africa and the president shouldn't overlook the water issue that Mohammed from Barberton also raised Quincy Jay says SONA and uh, the budget speech are done in our presence but they speak only to Bretton Woods institutions as usual we will get empty promises Tepiso Mokwena says a pessimism will prevail um, uh, until the because the unemployment rate is high and the power crisis uh persist because the economy of the country is suffering. And Pumzile Jack says, the ANC, instead of responding to questions, will police MPs, Kusasa, uh, how pathetic. I saw this last night. Too many cops out in Cape Town already. And, of course, we're making our way down to Cape Town so that we can bring it live. Um, someone was saying, you know, tomorrow there'll be stage 10 load shedding uh, from Esgar. So <laughs> that's just, uh, you know, to, cap- to capture the mood. And as James was saying, no load shedding tomorrow, please, no matter what. So let's hope ESCOM will keep things going, as uh, I'm sure all of South Africa will be waiting with anticipation to hear what President Jacob Zuma has to say, and of course to see how proceedings unfold in Parliament. Aubrey Machete and Sanusha um, Naidu, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank
0: you. Thank you.
1: And, of course, to you for your fantastic participation, as always. We'll be back tomorrow coming to you live from the Mother City. And, of course, the production team made sure it went out loud and clear. We appreciate that. We'll be back tomorrow. Right now, though, news time with Vabaksini Chetty Miller.